The year is 2002. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And I'm Charlotte. And this is My Marvelous Year. Marvelous Year, the podcast where we typically go through Marvel Comics from its origins to today. We're going to continue doing that. We are on the year 1992 in our comics read-through of all the essential Marvel comics. But today we're going to do something a little special. We're going to jump ahead a decade. Don't worry, not in the comics. We're not going to spoil anything. We're jumping ahead a decade to the Sam Raimi-directed Spider-Man movie that came out in 2002. Now, the reason we're doing this primarily is because Spider-Man No Way Home is scheduled to release at the end of 2021. A lot of folks are going back and re-watching the Sam Raimi-directed verse that kind of kicked off in many, many ways the uh, the superhero craze of the 2000s in cinema. We're going to talk about that movie. So it's going to be all things Sam Raimi, Spider-Man. I'm Dave, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I was maybe 12 when this movie came out, and uh, and I've got a lot of nostalgia for it. And I've got a lot of nostalgia for it, but I rewatched it, and we're going to see if that holds up. I am joined today by an individual who you... Would think would be taller, but they hunch. It's Zach Dean. Zach, how's it going? <laughs> oh, it's good. Um, so, I mean, as you can tell by, like, the weird order of episodes coming out, we're not recording full, you know, My Marvelous Year episodes. It's because I'm on the West Coast now. And, like, West Coast life? You're such a, different, a West Coast brat at a now. different pace out here. Everyone's just, like, everyone's pretty chill. Like, you just... No, seriously, like, when, you, when you're when you East Coast, when you're an East Coast snob, everything came out on time. There was a strict order to when episodes were released. You were everything was tight, locked in, very business like. Now Zach's out here on the West Coast, and he's like, oh, "I threw my computer in the ocean. It's fine, man. Just just roll with the waves." <laughs> As a protest movement, I just hucked my computer. Oh my god! <laughs> I had a friend who kept doing that, uh, who kept throwing their laptops in a river, like about <laughs> once a year. Would be like, "I'm sick of social media. I'm tired of like." Been and so literally plugged. throwing a computer in the river? And literally, like... Yeah, I was saying, like that's Job, a solution? Job throwing, le- <laughs> Job throwing letters into the ocean is, like, a, you know, a symbolic uh, gesture. Just delete your just, account, like, man. Huck her yeah. laptops into the river. I know. She 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 needed the, the statement to be made to the universe. Anyway, uh, yeah, so the, the move to California destroyed my computer. My microphone sounds a little funky. Uh so all these episodes are out of order because we're waiting for my computer to come back from the shop. Your, your base tan's looking good, though. Your base tan is yeah. looking much better. Yeah. Uh, we are also joined today, we should introduce as well, Charlotte Fierro, here to tell us what it's like to have been a literal baby when this movie came out. Charlotte, <laughs> how's it going? Hi, I'm good. Yeah, it's weird that uh, I really don't have that much nostalgia for those movies, even though I like them, because I watched them for the first time at, like, maybe 14, 15. Okay. Me too. That's uh, I was fifteen, I think, or fourteen when this came out. Summer of yeah, two thousand two. I was fourteen years old. Sure, I was in okay. high school. Okay, you were a literal baby, Charlotte. So, so yeah, so yep. this will be interesting. <laughs> I think different perspectives on the film. I mean, so again, like the topicality here is 
the Sam Raimi movie verse is coming back, right? It's coming back in a big way. It's not a spoiler to say. Like, here's the thing. Like, if you're if you're one of those MCU heads who avoids all trailers and all conversation around movies, um, don't don't listen. Stop. Leave because uh, we're going mean, to talk about late. the trailer <laughs> like, for no more way or less. Home. That, that's the idea. It's I feel like, like leave oh, yeah, Earth we're... before December, and that way you won't be spoiled by <laughs> anything. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, fair. Yeah, it, it's multiverse shenanigans, including they're doing the CW thing of just like, hey, all of the different versions. The of CW our thing. That is that's a lot of CW cred. <laughs> Holy moly! The I CW thing. Arrowverse, CW Arrowverse does this, you know, where they're just like... CW Arrowverse invented yeah, the but... multiverse. What a, what a claim. No, no, I'm say- Let's give it to them. <laughs> I'm saying with the, like, hey, we have... I mean, they did beat the MCU to Superman it. and Flash and stuff, and they're all weaving into the current day. Yeah. Yes. Is, is there something else that did that before that? That did... Mul- that In, in like, so. in visual media? That's, that used, I mean, I no, guess that's... That, like, used the multiverse to fold in previous versions of the same property, right? Like... Yeah, yeah, different yeah. companies, different, entirely different companies who never thought they were going to be part of a multiverse creating their thing. You know, like the, the 1990s Flash TV show never envisioned <clears throat> that it was setting state. You know, that that well, character and that actor was coming. Well, back. the 1990s Flash, uh, that's Barry's dad in the CW Flash. Yet another way, CW was ahead of the competition. No, you're you're right. That's a good. That's a good point. Is like this thing where fans and and viewers and just sort of casual fans especially would be like why are there so many spider-mans right because like we've had three spider-mans you know in the 2000s and kind of that attitude of like why are these movies always relaunching and people who aren't super invested in the the sony marvel wars and all that stuff are just like wait what is happening why are there all these characters and then kind of just finally embracing that and being like oh yeah and they're all just part of the same multiverse um and we're gonna roll these characters in in the trailer for no way home uh, we've seen Alfred Molina, you know, so his Doc Ock character from Spider-Man 2 is definitely going to be there. And, I, you know, for the big thing for, I think, rewatching the first, the 2002 Spider-Man, is Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. There's a lot of talk, like, will he, won't he be in the movie? There's a there's a pumpkin bomb, so there's a hint of the Green Goblin. It's like, will it be Willem Dafoe's? Um, so we're going to talk about the movie. We're going to talk about the experience of rewatching it. But I think, you know, the, the thing that I'm most interested in as we do that is, like, are these... Are these characters and templates going to show up in this movie? And should they? Like, is that a good thing? You know, so we can kind of answer that question maybe as we go. Maybe maybe more towards the end of this. Um, let's, let's start, I guess, up front with the question here. Charlotte, I'll kick it to you first. Does 2002 Spider-Man hold up? And is it an enjoyable rewatch for someone, you know, for, for viewers now who are what are we, 13 years into the MCU Expanded Universe experience, like we have a new modern palette. Uh, how, did, how did Spider-Man hold up for you? Yeah, to me it held up strangely well because it's it does the Spider-Man story in a way that is completely different from the Amazing Spider-Man and the MCU Spider-Man, which with like almost a horror take on it, which like comes from Sam Raimi's um, taste and influences. Uh, but... I feel like, and something I realized watching rewatching these is like, Raimi's Spider-Man and all his gallery of villains is a kind of a horror story of horror characters, almost like in a Tim Burton way. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, because uh, I'm thinking, for example, of the like uh, a great example of this is the Doctor Octopus uh, transformation sequence in the second mm-hmm. movie. Uh, yeah. When he like he's on the operation table and his arms start uh, just completely tearing through the 
the stuff. But even then, even in the first movie, like Spider-Man's transformation is very sh- shot like a horror movie, which I really liked because, like, retroactively, it helps distantiate the these movies from the future ones or like the most recent ones. I mean, that that's that's a really interesting point, like the differentiation of these movies, because just watching this just made me pine for and remember the days when different superhero movies could feel like they were created by different people and have different tones because it's like yeah spider-man hey, hey, slow like, your roll dennis villanueve cute cute <laughs> like it can be cute and tongue-in-cheek and earnest but also like there's a big horror influence moving here and it's like when do we have that in the mcu right like a movie that has like a really unique fingerprint on the actual filmmaking right all those like quick smash zooms in on people's eyes and the editing is so horror movie influenced. It's because Sam Raimi has that yeah. in the background making like Evil Dead movies. There um, is definitely a there's a a jump scare tactic in this as well. Of like all of a sudden yeah. the flash of the green goblin mask popping in and and just the entire way Willem Dafoe relates to his goblin persona. Yeah, there's clearly Raimi is putting his fingerprint on it. It does. I do in in many ways enjoy the the uniqueness and the you know clearly having like oh this is from this director therefore it feels a certain way um at the same time though there is i mean not i'm not going to compare it to the mcu necessarily because it's a different thing um but there are like there are things that don't work whereas the mcu sort of has this consistent competence you know that it just kind of like has everything locked in on its formula in such a way that is actually effective i think that is actually a good thing for superhero movies in a lot of ways um but in in Raimi's that can that can mean there's like these weird giant big holes of things that don't work as well I mean I I found so I haven't rewatched this in probably 15 years um you know I, I watched it as a kid oh, wow. I got the DVD I watched it a handful of times then but I definitely haven't watched it since then and I don't I didn't really have much desire to honestly um I liked it a lot at the time but I you know it's one of those things where it's like well it was it was of a moment. It was of an era. It's very good as an origin story. It it shares way more DNA with Tim Burton's 89 Batman or 78 Superman than it does with the modern MCU, I think. I, yeah, right? I, like I, it's, it's so I, much our coming. generation's 89. Like what 89 Batman is to whatever the old generation is before us, that's what Spider-Man is for our generation, where it's like yeah. this nostalgia fest of... Oh, we get a superhero movie now, and it's actually good. Like that's what it is. It's that for yeah. the two thousands, and it's also like closer to sixties Spider-Man, sixties and seventies Spider-Man comics than two thousand Spider-Man comics that were coming mm-hmm. out uh, at totally. the same time. It's very earnest, and it's very like yeah. it, a lot of it is. It weirdly balances that tone between like it's got some real darkness to it, but a lot of it is so achingly like teenage pure, <laughs> and like yeah, yeah. It, is, it is un. Un, so unembarrassed to just be the most like earnestly melodramatic about its emotions, which is like I, I can I can see how people could view that as like overly sugary and saccharine, but it really worked for me here. I love but it. In- I, I love it especially when you consider like this movie's coming out in two thousand two, and obviously like all of us, you know, we've read the Ultimate Universe, and when you see how the comics of Marvel in the Ultimate Universe are reacting to. Hey, we got to modernize and we got to make this stuff cool and hip. Mm-hmm. And this movie yeah. feels none of that pressure. No. It feels none of that pressure. It's just like, with the exception yeah. of like the Green Goblin costume. Like that's the only thing really where it's like, hey, how do we modernize this a little bit? Um, and it, but like it's so yeah, you're, you're spot on, Zach. It's so earnest and it's so 
true to being like, hey, what made Stan Lee and Steve Ditko Spider-Man good? You know, it is so true to that. Uh, it's it's really endearing. And I think, too, like, you know, I joke a lot about, you know, 85, not 85, like, you know, 40-year-old Toby Maguire going to high school. And he was only 26 in this. You know, he wasn't that old. But it's like all of these adult, <laughs> all these yeah. adults are in high school. But the tone of the movie is so sweet and innocent that you kind of forget that. It kind of doesn't matter that no one is, like, visually as young as they should be. Um, whereas Tom Holland's is that young in the MCU, or he, he looks that young. I think he can pass mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Um, but the movie's nowhere near as sweet, right? Like, we're, like, too cynical at that point to to get back to that stage, you know? There's just, like, yeah, there's somewhat of... I mean, this is just filmmaking in general. I don't even think, like... This, it's not like the X-Men movies where you can see that they're, like, slightly embarrassed to be comic book movies. So oh, oh like, heavily well, yeah. embarrassed. Heavily. <clears throat> yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's night and it, day it's, compared to X-Men, I think. It's not It's not necessarily that aspect of it that it's so, like, earnest in. It's just the emotions, right? It lets it ha- the characters have, like, really big emotions that, like, don't need to get undercut by a joke. And I, I know this is, like, a very old MCU talking point. I thought the same thing, but it, yeah. It's true, though, like... A lot of MCU, like, never just lets a scene play out without a quip or a joke or, like, relieving the tension of, like, oh, we might have to sit here and look at some people be really vulnerable emotionally, and we have to relieve that tension with a goof at the end. Right? The way the way Toby's yeah. Peter will just stare at MJ and not mm-hmm. say anything <laughs> is so or, or excruciating just... and cringy, and they don't. In, I was. I thought the same thing. I thought if this was the Marvel Cinematic Universe, when he's staring at her, they would undercut this with like Aunt May popping her head in the background with a one-liner. You know what I yep. mean? Like there would be oh, something yeah. that would take you out of that moment, and instead they just leave you in the introverted awkwardness of Tobey Maguire's, which I gotta say, v relatable, <laughs> v relatable, <Yeah>. not <laughs> knowing what to say. He's very sweet. I, I think he works. Re- you know, I don't even really like Tobey Maguire in general. He really works here as Peter Parker. Like he, he strikes that balance, especially at the beginning of being like the surly teenager, kind of a selfish teenager. When he gets his powers, he's having fun with his powers, and he's not thinking of anything else, right? And then Uncle Ben dies, and then watching him like I, I don't know, like like he just yeah. strikes that balance of kind of the um, funny, jokey, but like in a, in a very '60s Stanley way of just like showing up at the door for Thanksgiving and be like, "Hey, everybody, I had to beat a." old lady with a stick for these cranberries right yeah it's very like very much your uncle (laughs) sense of humor like he's already like 45 years old yeah charlotte charlotte how do you how do you think of toby as spider-man because you did not he was not your first spider-man presumably in the way that you know zach and i experienced that um how does he my first spider-man was uh, was garfield actually the first Mm -hmm. Spider-Man movie i ever watched was uh, amazing spider-man 2 (laughs) In 2014, um, <laughs> the, the only one I have not seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I to I mostly like him. To me, he goes way overboard in three, but uh, I for the most part I, I really like him in one and two. I I like his take on Peter Parker, but it's he doesn't feel like Peter Parker, or at least like it feels super different from both the comics and uh, at least more modern comics. And from mm-hmm. the MCU and more modern yeah. um, actors that have played Spider-Man, but uh, he's not a modern. He, his take works <laughs> no. so well with the universe Sam Raimi creates around that uh, I I don't always love it, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Weirdly, 
Mm. Yeah, no, it, it fits into the world, or he and these characters fit into the world that is created, I think, very effectively. Yeah. I mean, Raimi, as a director, and this is talked about a lot, clearly has tremendous affection for the world, for the characters, and for comics in a lot of ways, right? This is a director who was trying to make comic book things for a long time, right? And then get, lands the Spider-Man gig. Um, we didn't mention up front, too, but, like, Raimi's coming back <laughs> to do Doctor Strange 2, yeah. I guess, which I had, like, completely forgotten, but that's going to be interesting yeah. as yeah. well. Um, it, I think as far as, like, the casting and the tone, when you put this, to- like, this Toby Spider-Man with the perfect Uncle Ben and Aunt May, like, absolutely perfect to my mind of capturing Lee and Dicko. The perfect J. Jonah Jameson, right? Like, the best casting of all time with J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Um, it, it really fits into, it slots into a, how do we make the the clearest version of, like, 60s Spider-Man for the 2000s without getting in our own way and trying to hyper-modernize things, you know? But I do think, to your point, Charlotte, I... I I tend to think like Andrew Garfield and and um, Tom Holland are better Peter Parkers, are better Peter Parker Spider Mans. You know they get the nervousness and the the twitchy yeah. um, quips that come out. The only here's the thing, like what major criticism of this movie. The only quip Spider Man has, the only memorable one, is a homophobic joke in his wrestling. <laughs> match. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. it is a big bad only <laughs> quip to have. For Spidey, you know, he, he makes and a I couple little quips stuff. with Green Goblin, but yeah, yeah. And like at yeah, the I, time, I, I didn't know to expect that of Spider-Man. I didn't know to want that. I grew up on like the '90s animated series, and that that's a very quipless Spider-Man as well, a very drama-filled, um, emotional Spider-Man as well. So Toby kind of fits in that vein, I think, fairly effectively. Um, but again, I think to Zach's earliest point, like the earnestness, the doe-eyed sincerity, the ability to just lose it when he's crying <laughs> like all that stuff is very um you know sob spider-man from the 60s and i think it captures it fairly effectively i'm just i rewatching and i'm just super glad i'm like man i'm so glad they didn't do the ultimate spider-man thing like i'm so glad they didn't try to make this the ultimate spider-man mm-hmm. version yeah. of this movie yeah. you know in retrospect because that would have been easy to do that's what they did with that and, and that's andrew garfield right like he gets he's a modern teenager in a modern high school he but he's too cool out of the yeah, he's right out of the 2000s. He's very charismatic. His, his, when he's quipping with bad guys, he's funny. Right. right? Like, he's making goofy yeah. little jokes. And I like that. I like the distinction. I actually like Andrew Garfield in that first one a lot. Um, Same. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Toby When, when Toby gets bullied, you, you understand why. Like, that, uh, that trope yeah, works because more. he's, like, a big nerd. Whereas like Andrew and Tom are, like, cool. And, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's too awkward. And, uh, God, I mean, the most absolutely relatable moment of toby mcguire thinking mary jane's waving to him and he like yes sheepishly yes. waves yeah. back and the two girls are i have done that thing i did oh, that yeah, thing in high school right like that is it's that terrible. is so good that, you know and that that ties into one thing i really love about what Raimi does here with this movie the economy of storytelling the economy Incredible. of storytelling yeah. is is absolutely mind-boggling that the way that the first hour plus the first oh more than half of this movie is straight up the pure origin of Spider-Man. And they use that time to tell you everything you need to know about Peter Parker, Harry Osborn, MJ, um, Norman Osborn, right? Aunt May, Uncle Ben. Like, the way they build character in these small... Like, just Spider-Man getting the spider bite alone is like, oh, we get to know all the players. And I don't know, maybe it sounds like a simple thing, but so many movies miss that. And, like, the MCU Mm -hmm. misses that. 
a lot of times, right? They need to like really lean into a two and a half hour movie to help you get to know people. Um, the way they do, because because I'm I'm generally pretty bored by pure origin stories at this point. You know, they're an important, essential part of comic book history, and they're great for new fans. But once you know them, I just never want to experience them again kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed experiencing this one again in a way I did not expect to um, because it's so kind of entertaining and just kind of marveling at how much story they're they're unfolding and, and getting out there, you know, doing the whole Amazing Fantasy number 15 thing. Like, they do the whole it's thing. It's fun, and it's rooted in all the characters. Mm-hmm. Right, like you're getting to know all of them, but he also he has so much fun with it too. Right, like as Peter slowly gets his powers and he wakes up with you know a buff bod, and then him like the you know jumping across rooftops, the go web go scene, mm-hmm. like that, all that's great. We we paused it at an hour mark. We were halfway through, and it was basically just the origin, yeah, more or less had been set up. Yeah, and I was like, I think like I've Ben dies to forty five minutes, something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. we were at an hour, and I was like. There's one hour left to this, slightly less. There's so much left, because I know this movie inside out, so I was like, yeah. Rose, like, there's the Thanksgiving scene, there's the MJ kiss, there's the fire, there's the parade scene, or that world festival, there's the whole entire yeah. ending sequence with the uh, the bridge, and so, like, I'm like, all that is left, and it's only an hour to this movie, like, and then it moves, and it doesn't yeah. feel rushed, like, it's, it's so well-paced, yeah. In my memory, I remembered it as, as like the Spider-Man versus Green Goblin movie with maybe the the origins and like the first fifteen minutes, but it's really like half origin and then half Spidey versus Goblin. And Willem like Dafoe is there, like the getting built up yeah. throughout it. I mean, Willem Dafoe shows up yeah, ten yeah. minutes into it, and oh, he's he's incredible. In this hang, movie. hang on, like, before we before we get to Gabi, because I want to talk about whether okay. or not this is a good Green Goblin. I do have okay. one maybe hot take here, which is that in Spider-Man's origin. The way it is told here in the Raimi verse, Peter Parker was right to let the robber go. I said and the same ben thing. Ben was wrong. <laughs> yeah. If you are, if you have an armed gunman running at you, you let them go. <laughs> Especially ben, like, let him take the car. It's not worth it, man. It was also part of me being like, I, I paused it. I even said that I was like, I know, like, part of this is my like, I'm just kind of super cynical, and my brain is really poisoned by capitalism. But I was just like, yeah, that guy was a jerk. Like, why? Yeah, would he... yeah and that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I, you don't need to save that guy's money. Whatever, right? Like, that guy just ripped you off. Like, it is not, it, it is, it is a very old fashioned thing where, it, like, it was clearly, like, yeah, the guy stole some money. He's also going to murder people because of it. Like, well, and then when the, when just the security evil, guard. You have to stop it. <laughs> exactly. And when the security guard or police officer runs up to, <laughs> to Peter and is like, you, you could have you stopped him, man. It's like, could have stopped, stopped that him. Guy F you. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Getting shot for that? Crazy. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's my hot take. Is Ben was wrong? Kind of had it coming. <laughs> R- R- I R- mean, if anything, that, that, that guy uh, deserved to be stopped because of those like awful blonde tips. Those tips were really yeah, disgusting. Were How dare you? How dare you? He had a future in Limp Bizkit. Two movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. Speaking of speaking of 2002 okay, movie, right. check out the Spider-Man soundtrack because there is nothing more 2002. Oh yeah, it's got like some hot 41. Nickelback and some 41. <laughs> it's got that song Bring Hero. It. Oh, yeah. it's good stuff. It is really good stuff. Okay, Macy Gray Gabby. showing up in this movie is really fun. Who shows up? Macy Gray. Macy Gray with the with the concert performance that was very 2002. Um, some good uh, some good early uh, appearances from some you know known faces like Elizabeth Banks as yeah. uh, as Betty Brant. 
Um, there are a handful of others. Uh, it, Lucy Lawless making that really funny cameo of like a guy with six arms sounds hot. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, a, it's a really funny joke. Um, I I, also, I love the it, it's pretty small. There's not a lot of it here, but I love the like New York is Spider Man City. There's a lot mm-hmm. of like those little winks of you know normal New Yorkers backing him up. That's really good. Yeah, well, that's the, something the Remy leans into. Of New Yorkers reacting to him for the first time is very fun so and fun. like a great way to transition into from the high school story to the spider-man as a new yorker story and just be like yeah he's a hero now and we don't need to like spend a lot of time with him on street crime but it really quickly established like a two-minute montage establishes like yeah he uh he's the spider-man superhero now in the city like he protects the city and everyone knows him and that's all we need to do um okay do we want to talk about green goblin a little bit? okay let me let me start by saying let me let me tie this into no way home a little bit here i do not want willem dafoe's green goblin in no way home Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start that there, and then I want to hear both from you. What do you What do you think of Green Goblin in this movie? Uh, I mean, that's a totally different question. I, I don't honestly. It's too late. <clears throat> like I already know what's happening. Like the trailers literally showed Alfred Molina in it. I don't want any of them to show up. Well, that like, I don't like this idea at all. That doesn't mean we're getting Defoe though. That doesn't mean we're. It doesn't mean Defoe. I mean, if we're getting if we're getting Molina, I'm like fine. Just give me Defoe. Like whatever. If we're already there, do it. But like, I, I kind of just hate this whole concept anyway. But We'll see. Oh, Maybe I don't. I don't hate the concept. I'm not. A, I'm not opposed to Molina. Molina's a great Doc Ock. That was oh, fun. I love Molina. Yeah, Molina's right? great. Yeah, no, I just, I, I'm sick of your anti-Molina agenda. Is really what I wanted to call out here. Um, <laughs> no, with with Defoe specifically, what I'm saying there is, he's a he is an effective Norman Osborn. He leans into the role wholeheartedly. I don't think Willem Defoe's ever been accused of like <laughs> not giving his all, right? Not like, committing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like he goes for it and he guns for it, and it's great. There's so many very memorable moments. I think in the same way that Toby sort of he fits the Raimi verse mold of Spider-Man in a way that I wouldn't say like, oh, he's actually the perfect comics Peter Parker. I think Defoe does that for Norman Osborn. I think it's the same kind of idea, right? Like, yes, he fits into this. He he leans into the the horror and sort of the psychosis of this Green Goblin as, you know, this Gollum-esque alternate entity. Um, I don't really love his Green Goblin. It's fine. It's good in this movie. I don't love it. And if we're gonna if we're gonna bring multiversal reaching across various media properties stuff. Molina's the pick. Molina's the pick from this trilogy. It's mm-hmm. not Defoe. Pick one. Pick one. That's what I want. I don't want I want to see the multiverse spread out. I don't want to see like everyone come back from the same Yeah. Like yeah. like sequence. It's like pick the best or Jamie Foxx, I guess, if you have to. And uh and, and just <laughs> let them play. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't want to see all of them, all right? I want a new Green Goblin. That that's my main my main point here. I want a new Green I, Goblin I, from a different multiverse. It's somebody else. Just do it again. I do think I slightly I do think I agree with you. <clears throat> he's a better Norman Osborn than he's a Green Goblin, but like so much of that is the mask, right? The mask is I don't even Yeah. I don't mind the design of the mask. You know, like I'm I'm not someone who hates it. I remember even at the time, I remember like two thousand two people complaining about the mask and being like he looks like a pokemon like he a just looks pokemon. Look, yeah yeah good. but you like know, it, you know my complaint it about limits the mask his especially ability to emote right it's super you know like oh, it's, it's just it's totally... the tom hardy bane thing absolutely it's like you know it's like everything he's saying is like well the mask's in one position i mean it, the problem that i the biggest problem i have with the design is why why did oscorp think the military would want to buy designs like that <laughs> like, like, what, what was the intent of selling that yeah. to the to the united states of american military i don't get it. it doesn't make any sense and all the all like yeah every every great movement with willem dafoe 
he doesn't have the mask on and he's able to give his performance and a lot of that is yeah. outside of like, outside of the um being green goblin but i think he's very menacing as green goblin i think his like tool set is fun i think like the fight he has um in the burning building the fight at the very end are both very effective very good physically mm-hmm. and <clears throat> he uses the glider in really fun ways and they give willem dafoe I, there's there's a I think there's a lot of moments here that must have been improvised or just weird little Willem Dafoe affectations they left in. Like when he's like, he slams down some some chemical that he's just like, that will catalyze the reaction or whatever. Yeah. And he's being all, you know, intimidating and scary as he's getting put into the machine. And then they put the bars on him and he goes, oh, it's cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. very like, like a little whiny and scared. And then the... um. Him licking his fingers when, like, threateningly when Aunt May slaps his hand is an all-time great little villain moment. Him just yeah. like licking the uh, the uh, marshmallow casserole off his fingers, or at the very end when the glider, uh, when Peter jumps out of the way of the glider and it's shooting towards him, and it just zooms in on his face, and he goes, "Oh," <laughs> before he gets impaled. That moment, great. Was, All these, yeah, that moment's fantastic. You know, I, I do have to say, one of the most villainous things anyone has ever done in a Marvel movie. Sticking his hand in the marshmallow casserole on Thanksgiving dinner? Like, good grief. Mm-hmm. Like, use a utensil, Willem. That's Char- disgusting. Charlotte, what do, you, what do you think? <laughs> Charlotte, what do you think of this Green Goblin? Um, uh, and, like, and do you I, eat with I, your I hands? I was thinking, like, <laughs> he he feels more like a, he feels more like a goblin when he doesn't have the mask on, weirdly. Because he, he's yeah. so mm-hmm. menacing and everything in, is in his face in a way that the just um, frozen mask... Um, completely hinders in a way um so yeah the most memorable scenes with him are to me like where for example the dinner scene or just him talking to his mirror it's like kind of similar to michael keaton in the homecoming like they're way more menacing than just an actor and a a physical presence in front of peter parker than when they're in their suit Mm -hmm. yeah which you know makes sense it's a good performance and in the suit he's just kind of a a stunt man punching another stunt man. Yeah. There is one moment it's in a... the suit that I really like, which is at the end when they're having that battle in the the you know burning funeral parlor. Um, he's yeah. he's grinning through the mask while he's talking, mm-hmm. and it's like try to try to say something menacing and show your teeth to that degree, and you can see it underneath the mask. It's it's actually a really cool visual, uh, but it's yeah. so rare that you get to see it because you have to be zoomed in on his mouth to see it through that yellow filter in general it doesn't work yeah it's that only yeah there's only really like that that one line really works where he's got peter and he has him he says something like i'm gonna take my time with mary jane me and mary jane and then he unfurls that thing it's like we're gonna have a hell of a time yeah i that i mean that that's something i also want to talk about is the like the duality of this movie to be like kind of sugary sweet and saccharine while having like a really dark undertone um, to a lot of the stuff to it, and I think like a really interesting perspective on Mary Jane. Um, we we can table that for a minute, but like a lot of the stuff with Mary Jane is really interesting and like specifically kind of like talking about how she's viewed by men is a very big part of this movie that I think the movie's aware of, and Kirsten Dunst brings to this. Um, the only um, what was I gonna say about Green Goblin? Uh, <laughs> oh, he just one other moment when he has Spider Man gassed on the roof. And he's, like, ranting at him. Just his way of, like, finally, like, casually leaning over. And he just, like, yeah. smacks Peter on the back <laughs> of the head. And he gets super casual with him. I love that moment. It's very fun. The other... the yeah, other Spidey just looks like he's passed out drunk next next to him. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. The other directorial 
flourish that I really like is when um, Goblin does swing Peter into the building, you know, in the in the final act there when he's, you know, they replicate Amazing 38, you know, behind the glider mm-hmm. for half a second. Um, yeah. The way the, the way the music cuts out, the way it's just silent as Peter just gets the stuffing beat out of him, like that's a really mm-hmm. nice touch. And again, yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, I think the MCU actually tried to replicate that with Vulture in Spider-Man. Like there's there's a lot that they pulled from this. Um, you know, when they try to do the uh, if this be my destiny kind of thing with Spidey there. But it, it's a lot more effective here, I think, when Peter's just getting the crap beat out of him. Again, like in this movie where the only real significant fighting we see Spider-Man do is versus the Green Goblin. You know what I mean? Like, again, it's that economy of storytelling where it's like we don't mess around with like anything else. Like his origin story is just the Goblin as his first villain. And he gets beat so badly. And, and it's important to see him then get back up again. Um, but the way that they, again, just cut out the music and let you, like, fully live in that is really effective, I think. That shot, I, I this is very teenage Zach, just getting excited, but the shot of the bomb going off in his face, mm-hmm. um, the visual effects of that work really well and are yeah. very upsetting. <laughs> like, that that really sells uh, him just getting, like, the mask blown off his face and... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, yeah. That, all that violence is really intense. So let's talk about the let's talk about the sporting cast. Then let's talk about Mary Jane. It, it very very broadly because I don't know that we'll have a lot to say about it. I really like what they do with Harry. <laughs> yeah, I actually really I like too. James Franco yeah. as Harry in this movie. I like bringing him in as the friend early. Um, again, it's like just that perfect way of hey, this lets us build Peter's network. It lets us build Norman as a relevant player. Uh, I feel like every Harry choice in the first movie is is really well done. Um, uh, including too, like him dating MJ and like you know bringing that in and having that be an awkward thing and their dynamic and sort of the, uh, you know the unrequited love of of Peter there. Um, do we like Kirsten Dunst MJ? Do, Zach, you're saying some interesting things about you know, Charlotte. You can, you can go first if you'd her. like. Yeah, please. I don't know that I have that much to say about uh, kissing the kissing Dunst as MJ. I I like that uh, small cast of Harry, MJ, and and Peter. Um, but I think that it's interesting that they they make her MJ, but he, she's I felt like she was really closer to was what Gwen was in the sixties and seventies, mm-hmm. um, like the the high school girlfriend that's more that's more stable and calm than uh, than MJ is uh, in comparison, and she's mm-hmm. more that to yeah. me in those movies. And um, mm-hmm. and with uh, Harry, what I think is interesting is that this version of Harry as the the guy who's protecting Peter in high school and that's he, he more handsome and taller than him is like not at all similar to what Harry was before then. But since then, like the Ultimate Universe and the Spider-Gwen universe, for example, that's what he's been since then. So I, I think that's interesting that the this version of Harry is the one that's become the norm for Harry in uh, most uh, Spider-Man media since. Yeah. Yeah, like he's a good friend to Peter Parker. Yeah. But then... Otherwise, he's kind of like like he's so insecure. He's so stuck in Norman's shadow, and James Franco plays it so well that it just makes him like just a little creep, right? And you can see like yeah the way that that like insecurity just starts to like work on men <laughs> specifically and make them like start trying to absolutely control like the women in their lives just because they're insecure about them, right? That that scene of him on the phone. Of just being like, no, I'm going to buy you something. It'll make you feel better. And it's like, it's all about him, right? It has nothing yeah. to do with her. It's all about him and his, like, ego in that moment. Um, it, it, he sells that so well. And it's, I mean, it's hard to watch. He's, like, he's very cringy. And it, it's very, like, um, you know, like, unconsciously vulnerable or um, revealing 
And I think James Franco does a lot with, with that role. It also really sells the build and the journey that he's going to have by the end of the mm-hmm. third movie. You know, and like yeah. that's that's an impressive thing, I think, to be doing is to be steadily and kind of casually seeding like character development that's going to pay off two movies down the line, especially again for a franchise where it's like, you know, this thing people didn't know there was definitely going to be multiple movies. And then obviously it did great. And and there were, um, but it's, it's not, it's not the shot of Harry, like picking up the goblin mask and being like, Oh, I guess he's going to be the goblin. It's like all this character yeah. work where he's yeah. like clearly still infatuated with and in love with his father, despite obviously the fact that Storm and Norman, even pre goblin is, is not actually a good dad or a good role model. Um, no, I mean that scene uh, after Thanksgiving when Norman leaves. Like all you need to know about Harry is—is is he just like Norman? Absolutely embarrasses everybody yeah. in that yeah. by being really nasty to Mary Jane in everybody's hearing. And then when she's upset about it, uh, Harry is just like, "If I'm lucky, I'll be half the man he is." Right? Like after he just was so nasty, he's still defensive yeah. of right. the guy. Right? Right? Like that, that really shows you that—that's such a good like subtle way of um, showing how how important it is that he live up to his father's ideals. Um, okay, so Kirsten Dunst, I, I think she's really good in this. I think she's, like, right on Tobey Maguire's wavelength of being, like, also very earnest, very, like, bringing, you know, I, I don't know, bringing a very big openness to this role. Um, and it, it, it's, I'm not going to argue that this aspect I'm going to talk about is, like, a huge portion of this movie, but I think there's a really, like, interesting theme about how she is viewed in this movie, by the men in this movie, and by the world in the film, um, and how that's, like, important to her relationship with Peter Parker, because, like, the male gaze on her is, like, all over this movie, and the way she's reacting to it. There's all kinds of little scenes about it, like, she's leaving the diner, and, like, you see, she leaves the diner, and she's in, like, her cute little waitress's outfit, and immediately starts, like, covering up and buttoning up her raincoat, and Peter is on the street, and he's just like, hey, MJ, and she's just, like, quietly exhausted, just going buzz off creep yeah. right like just just subtly showing that like yeah of course like she just gets harassed by men at her job and on the street and then as soon as she sees peter she lights up right and she's like excited to see him um and then you know like willem dafoe talking about her that you know like she's just a beautiful woman she just wants one thing like use her for what you need to and then throw her in the trash and the way you know like the, there's a bunch of stuff like how the way her father treats her right and like talking about her just for her looks and like it's i think like there's some like slut shamey language in the way her father's talking about her and there's just a, a lot of that i think like a lot of the movie is signaling that like she's clearly someone who's been really valued for her looks and that's about it and people don't like believe much in her and i think that's such a huge part por- por- portion of why her and peter parker click because he like just sees through that and is just so like enamored with her and believes in her um i think it's good i think like it's it's not like She's the girlfriend in a superhero movie. She's, you know, the damsel in distress. But, uh, like, I really believe their relationship. And I think, like, that groundwork laid for showing, like, her just being kind of tired and exhausted of the way that, like, she's usually treated by men. And it's not necessarily, like, Peter Parker's just the nice guy in a world of, like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could read it that way. Just the, like, yeah, he's, he's the only nice guy in a sea of pigs. Right? But, like... I, I thought Kirsten Dunst at least brought some, like, grounding to that role in that aspect of it. Um, like, she really sold that for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, she's just, she's fun. She's, like, Kirsten Dunst is so fun and cute in the, like, 2000s, like, when she first started. Yeah, I, I think she fits she, in this world. She's such a good presence. I, I do think she fits in this world. I don't want to, I, I think giving the movie too much credit 
for commentary on male gaze when there's an iconic moment of her in the rain with her nips all the way out and the camera's Well, I will also say, yeah, the mistake. other side of that is this was an enormous sexual awakening for me at like, you know, <laughs> tw- tw- just the, I remember the trailer for this yeah. was on some other DVD that I had when I was like 12 and I was like, uh, <laughs> excuse me, um, what is this doing to my body? I don't yeah so <laughs> yes this was <laughs> no definitely I, I, not a focus of the movie but i i hear what you're saying in that she yeah, yeah. she is given some choice i mean charlotte what did you think of uh of mj here oh we you already uh, you already spoke to it a bit i mean well, i guess do you want to respond to what zach's saying there at all no i think that's a uh, debate me I was, coward i, <laughs> I was thinking also <laughs> of the the scene like right after she's speaking to peter in their backyards uh and then she she just leaves with another guy and there's a clear different between the way she speaks with Peter that feels very genuine mm. and then when she lives with the other guy she has to put on a like oh my god it's gorgeous that she, right that she like... never yeah that she never she never acts that way with Peter or like when she's not with uh, another guy it's someone who is like clearly putting these expectations that she is going yeah. to be like a model girlfriend right like yeah and Harry, that's like her entire relationship with Harry. Like she wears this dress, and he's just like, "I wish you had worn the black for my father." And she looks beautiful in that, you know, that like red Asian-inspired dress where it's like chopsticks in your hair, Mary Jane. <laughs> that cultural yeah, cultural that's, appropriation mean, but she looks beautiful in that dress. Yeah. I, I no, that's overblown. <laughs> she, it, it was also not, not wearing, on like, theme for that parade. Like it was. Not. That's that's a good point. That's more to the point <laughs> for me. Is that's a little embarrassing to be wearing. <laughs> something like that uh yeah yeah i, totally. I do think oh like, no no it's like an international it was like an international fair you're I'm right pretty sure no she was yeah. right back it up she, she was, was correct she was spot on reason. mary jane mary yeah. hashtag mary jane did nothing wrong no uh-huh. I, I see i came away my per, my perception of like the broader like understanding of these movies is people really dislike her as mj like I, yeah I, people I feel do, like that's yeah. the general vibe i've never quite understood that um Again, like going into this movie, I didn't have like, I didn't have like super desperate needs or expectations of what these characters should be. I mean, I do think like the MJ of the comics, especially like once her and Peter are in a steady relationship and they're married, is much cooler, um, is much more confident in so many ways. Uh, but again, like this is, you know, to Charlotte's earlier point, like this is MJ as Gwen and MJ. You know, she is. Yeah fulfilling multiple roles you know so it is a it is a different take on the character absolutely you know um again like mary jane watson is not in the comics is like she moves in and she's lives close to peter but she's not literally like where pete can like touch her through the window (laughs) like in some in some (laughs) clear like close your blinds mj you know yeah yeah yeah. good grief you two are close um but you know, it's just like that's a it's a different take on this world where she's the literal girl next door that Peter's been in love with since he was six, and I think in that way, you know, these characters work quite well together. I do, I think, as far as the love story is concerned, you know, I don't fault any of it, but it is. I I had a moment by the end of this because I kind of for, I forgot like the progression of the relationship, you know, like I, I forgot kind of how these things track, and by the end of it, when MJ comes to Peter and is like, oh, like, it was actually you that I'm into. That made sense, right? The movie's clearly building to that. Mm-hmm. But then yeah, when yeah. she goes all in on, I love you, I was like, ah, let's let's." Slow oh, I was so in it by then. I I was sold. That I was felt, sold. That felt no. fast to me. I don't know. Oh, it worked. It worked. I don't know. It worked for me. No. No, no, Dave. Wrong. 
Too fast. No, you yeah, tell somebody well, you love them, and then you kiss them for the first time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically they had already kissed, but <laughs> yeah, I'm more on Dave's side with uh, on that. Like, it's. I mean, it also goes with the way the music, the movie works. It's a very like earnest and childlike. Um, yes. Way to behave for like they're behaving in a way that's like no one their age would behave. But it also it also makes sense for the way the movie works. I guess. I, I mean, it's also like. This is how movies function. People kiss and say they yeah, love you. True. This is just, it's film, like, since the beginning of the this time. This is not right? true like, to life, Zach. I, we, we, I would... we can't have the montage of them, like, you know, dating for si- three or four months before they say I love you for the first time. No, I, it totally works for me. I... Can't or won't. I, it, it's, a, it's a small gripe. It just felt a little strange. Um, I, But I do broadly totally accept <laughs> this version of MJ. Um, I, 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 I really... Only... I don't know. Like, I get people's complaints, but again, it's like you have to you have to accept these characters as the versions of this of this universe that they're building, not as the literal transcription of, from the comics. You know, in in oh, order yeah. to enjoy these movies. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The the only thing about that end scene that like, and this is like probably my biggest complaint, I guess, is that I don't think it, the movie lays quite enough track about to justify him turning her down. In that moment, right? Because it, at the end, he's doing the like, she says, I love you, and kisses him, and it's like everything he's ever wanted. Like, he's been pining after her since fourth grade, they keep saying that. Yeah. Um, and he's just like, I'm sorry, I can. She, he friend zones her. <laughs> like, literally, it's just like, I'll always be your friend, Mary there's Jane. A, but there's some line shortly before that where he's like, I'm everyone around me gets hurt. I'm never going to get to have what I want kind of thing. And yeah. it's set, It's clearly setting this up. But it's like the narrator, he's saying it doing this. as the narrator in the moment before it happens. And it's just like, it's a little out of nowhere. Like, we haven't seen that build up anywhere. And it's kind of just like relying on, like, kind of a meta, like, a meta knowledge of that conversation of like, yeah, superheroes can't reveal they are because, I, like, like, I it's guess it's what there, the next right? movie is, honestly. Yeah, because Norman Osborn, like, yes, right. Like, the next movie explores that, like, I, actually... Green that. Gardens did like kidnap her because of her relationship with him. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah I guess so. I just like, him, but yeah, there's not really a, a, a scene where he he we see him make the decision or come to that realization before he actually says it to to MJ. Yeah, yeah. There, there's just like a. It does feel like it's just missing like one yeah. small part for me to to like do that because otherwise, like the the way it plays out, almost just feels like him just being like kind of a sad sack like you know, goody two-shoes or something, right? Like, just being like, oh, no, I must selflessly sacrifice my own happiness. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, the last, like, two minutes of the movie don't really function for me. And the, the, narr- the narration is awful. I don't know why there was a narration at the beginning and the end. The beginning is him yeah. just being like, this story's not for the faint of heart. It's like, what are you, what are you talking about? It starts out with, like, a weirdly dark... Uh, narration yeah where he's like yeah you ready for this story i don't think that if anyone are. said my story was <laughs> light and happy they were lying yeah, yeah like it's very yeah it's it's very teenage uh but it, it's not making fun of him being like a overly dramatic teenager it's played like very straight so i think the narration yeah. was a bad idea that that um, oh, that he, is definitely something worth criticizing so all right so this movie's solid i think it holds up better than i expected yeah. some 20 years on uh is it is it worthy of you know revisiting and reclaiming for the Marvel I think Cinematic it's great. Universe? I think this is a great movie, not even like a superhero movie. I think this is a great movie. Period. Like I'm 
all on board with this film. And, like, I mean, it, it is it, upper tier of MCU movies. Like, I like it better than a good chunk of the MCU. Hmm. Uh, like, yeah. and would watch it over a good chunk of the... I mean, part of that is my, you know, just being a little fussy of, like, yeah, this is kind of a film in a way that a lot of, like, <laughs> MCU movies are, like, okay, not... Yeah, yeah. Listen, I mean, I am, is, but like, right, it is let's, the let's, it's literally the same complaints as what they're making. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, but let's be. I, I mean, this is it is pretty badly dated. Um, I don't think so. I, I, I think don't think there's so a. Like, oh, sure. I, I don't agree in the, with in the that. action in the in the special effects. It's pretty badly I think dated. That, uh, no, there's there's the special effects suffer in the scene the first scene where he's like testing out his powers, but he has the uh, oh he's chasing the the bad guy the who shot Uncle Ben. He's got his like fake suit on. Yeah, and that that suit that, doesn't look good in the, the suit. Like, look, the fabric looks really fake, effects. and that CGI yeah. looks fake. Besides that, I think the effects look really good. The the burning building action scene, I think, is like really solid. I think I, for I the time, totally for action. the time, it works fine. But I think I think it again, works fine now. Like I, no. Green Goblin, like throwing his little bombs and the razors flying all over the place. Like I think all that action like works great, and the tension, like the tension building of uh, Peter coming back before Thanksgiving, being on the ceiling. All that stuff is, like, shot and edited so well. Um, yeah, yeah. No, all, all the action works for me. Well, that's, like, that's a totally different thing. Um, yeah. I, I think, I, I don't, I, I would not value it as highly, I think, as you are, um, in terms of, like, this just being a great film. Although I think, in ter- I don't know, it's hard, it's hard to separate nostalgia and sort of where it fits in the continuum, honestly. Because, again, it is, like, you know where are we here? We're we're post Blade. We're post the first X Men, and this is clearly the best. Unless you're a huge Blade fan, I guess, right? Like this is clearly the best superhero movie since Burton Batman, right? Like so that I think in the continuum of superhero movies, it is enormously important. You know, in terms of yeah, like sure. in doing yeah. this well, in terms of like I, I think you're right, Zach, that it it does just feel like a kind of a classic movie, um, in a way that uh. I don't know. It feels it feels akin to like throwing on like Sleepless in Seattle or something, where it's like just kind of like, oh, this is a movie people talk about from a while ago. Like, and here's why is because you could throw this on any time and it's kind of captivating. And then it just also has Spider Man doing Spider Man things every so often. Um, it's way more of a Peter Parker movie than it is a Spider Man movie, which I think is smart. Yeah. Given the limitations, I think it is effective. You know, but then you know, I do actually think some of the stuff I was kind of impressed by, like when Spider Man's fighting in the um in the parade and he you know because they a lot of it's just kind of like punchy punchy stuff but he does like a a flip where he jumps back on his like hands uses them like his handsprings and then flies mm-hmm. like six feet in the air there's some action like that where i was like oh that's actually that's really cool i didn't there's I didn't fun really little clever like mixtures of cgi and real stuff that they do um that you can see like there's some really fun shots that like toby mcguire climbing a wall but really they just have him like flat on the ground and climbing but it totally sells it the way that they integrate the CGI and the the uh, real footage. Oh, I just want to point out that I mean one of the most fun like little movie magic moments is the Tobey Maguire catching Mary Jane in the cafeteria and then all of the items. Yeah, yeah. I think which is real. Like he just did that. Yeah. That's one of those like fun Jackie Chan things where it's just like you're just gonna do this a million times till you get it right. And I, awesome. I I can't remember the trivia. There's like a little bit of trivia. It's like it didn't take him many times. That's the like, or maybe it did. It, it, the <laughs> It either took him a hundred times or two times. That's the thing about okay. that I can't remember. That, that's pretty cool, Charlotte. Charlotte, where do you think this movie stands in the in the grand scheme of superhero movies? Yeah, I'm not quite as hot. I'm not quite quite as hot on it as Zach is. Uh, I definitely wouldn't say it's a great movie, but I think like 
it feels dated, but it's also in a charming way. Like I, I yeah. really, I really liked coming back to it, and it didn't. The it it feels its age, but uh, not uh, like I, I really enjoyed it. Um, compared, to, I think it's a very good. Like if you're going to, if you don't know where to start with superhero movies, that's a it's a great start. If you like Spider Man stuff in general, comics or anything, it's a very good. If I mean, it's directly a, a recommendation for me. Um, where do where do you guys put it above with the uh, the MCU ones? Is it lower for the than the MCU for you? See, they're so. Charlotte, you go ahead first, and then I'll answer. That's tough because they're very. It's hard to. I, I I would compare the Spider-Man MCU movies in comparison to the other MCU movies way more easily than in comparison to these Spider-Man movies. Right. I mean, that that's, that's kind of the thing is that like the MCU is such its own yeah little thing outside of film in general, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like it, it is it is tougher to like talk about. I mean, for me. Like, it's no question, like, this is... And I... Way above the MCU ones. I, I quite like those, too. Like, those are very fun, but, you know, they're, they're a little bit more disposable. I mean, I think the the biggest difference... Yes, filmmaking, right? And just kind of style. But I also think, like, yeah. the, the the biggest distinction is when we get to Spider-Man Homecoming, full-on Spider-Man in action movie, right? We've got a suit. He's got mm-hmm. Tony Stark yeah. armor. Like, it's just such a, a difference in a character who is full-on doing the Spider-Man thing versus here, where it's learning yeah. to be Spider-Man and purely doing the origin. I actually in in storytelling part like for storytelling, I like the MCU version a lot more because I don't like I said I don't love reliving in origin and getting to know the character that I already know. So like the MCU, I don't have to get to know the character, it's just doing a Spider-Man story. It's the same reason the PS4 Spider-Man is such a hit is because yeah. it just throws you into the universe and says, "Hey, you yeah. know Spider-Man, let's do this." Yeah. I- that's more appealing. Very that. smart of all them to just skip that. You know, like the smartest thing they could ever do. And people is just jump right over it. People complained in uh in Civil War, like oh they just threw away Uncle Ben and and they didn't even mention and they didn't even do it and it's like they already it's did it. Like they did it here. Yeah, it's like they did it here yeah. in two thousand two. The best that it's been done. Um, they don't need to do that ever. ever yeah, it's again. like it's like needing yeah. to see Bruce Wayne's parents shot again in every Batman movie. Well, I did. I yeah. I did. I didn't see any diamonds fall to the ground in this movie, and I was kind of like, I, "How do I know anything's happening if the diamonds are falling <laughs> to the ground?" Like, I don't, I don't know the yeah. drama here. Um, I, yeah. I, they are difficult to compare. They are very difficult to compare. I think on storytelling terms, I like where the MCU's at. On nostalgia and just like, again, like kind of like inventing or reinventing what the Marvel universe can be in movies. You know, it, it's it's kind of impossible to undervalue this movie. Like, it is so essential. In yeah. in making this stuff relevant, in making this, in making comics as movies a thing, um, it's funny. Like if you ever go back and I re- went back and reread some of the reviews of this movie when it came out, right from two thousand two. So so and yeah, they're they're kind of mixed, right? They're kind of mixed. They're kind of muddled. If you read like A.O. Scott, notorious okay. superhero critic of the New York Times, um, it, the review of Spider Man is like pretty negative. <laughs> like it's pretty it's pretty yeah, bad sure. actually. Um, this movie. It sets the stage for Marvel as movies in a way that I just like that blew my mind as a as a, a kid, you know, who wanted to love this stuff and was then mm-hmm. granted an entry point. Like I don't know that there's a better entry point for the two thousands generation than this movie. I, I it's hard to imagine one, you know? In the way that like two thousand eight's Iron Man is probably that for a whole a whole new generation. Don't you think? Which is very strange because like I, I, you can just see like I mean, one of the cool tricks this movie 
Can you guys hear that? Yeah. Sounds like a DJ. <laughs> Charlotte, bust a verse. I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's me messing around with it coming in through my mic. Like, what is that? I didn't even move. I think How we're being haunted by. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh, it stopped. Okay. My uh, what, one of the tricks. One of the tricks of this movie, I, I think that I, it definitely excels over the other, the, the Tom Holland one, is that it shows Peter Parker like becoming Spider-Man in like the the like slow um, like realization of his powers and also how much fun that would be. Like it puts you really in his shoes of you know like the transformation. He wakes up all buff and the you know I love the glasses shot right. of uh, him seeing that he's buff now. The him just becoming acrobatic, running down the stairs. Him like realizing like kind of startled that he can just like go into slow-mo time when uh flash thompson's fists are flying by that shot of the fist coming by and him like doing a double take of the fist is so funny um i I really like all that stuff and i I think all that like uses just really simple but effective filmmaking to put all that across to like be like it's fun to be a superhero like here's what it is to like be a superhero and it's more than just like you can just fall 40 stories and be fine right and kind of take a big cgi punch and be fine do you think there's a better do you think there's a better superhero origin movie because the only one that the only one that really came into contention for me was probably batman begins um but like something that that truly truly plays the origin story as straight as this does i mean uh, i don't know if it counts but spider-verse is kind of a miles uh, origin story miles origin movie sure yeah that's a good one i I mean the the uh, the the '70s Superman movie, uh, maybe that that one's a quite I, good. See, that's that's one of the movies that I I wonder about the most in comparison because I don't have the nostalgia for that. It feels cheesy as heck, and <laughs> so I good. wonder that, if that movie's yeah, so good. <laughs> I know it does a good job with a lot, but it's, it, also, it's all in the performance. But but right, it like, leans so heavily into the Krypton origins that I actually think I think to its detriment. Um, where that stuff, I'm just so bored by by the time that's over. Um, it's such I, like I think a for fun... people who grew up with that, they that yeah. again, like it's like I said at the beginning, like if you grew up with that, that's the best superhero movie ever. Eighty nine Batman for a generation, and then two thousand two Spider Man for us. Um, I, I just don't know that like the MCU generation could have that experience. I, it kind of doesn't seem possible. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> you don't know it. All right, let's wrap it up because you got yeah you got yeah we have issues. to because I, I can't keep recording it. Um, all right, Charlotte, how many webs would you give this? Um, huh. I think for the first movie, I think I like it slightly less than the MC movies, but it's, it's also like I'm more excited by this, the, the Tom Holland take on Spider-Man than I am by the Tobey Maguire um, version of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But looking back at it, like, I'm still very much having fun with it. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> four webs out of five, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Four webs out of five, and uh, eight, one, no, a spider one. with three broken legs, so still five legs out of eight. Five legs out of eight. <laughs> I give it four and a half yeah. webs and one sweet potato uh, casserole with baked marshmallows on top. So Zach, y- you love this movie. I mean, so like, yeah, wh- where like compared to the MCU, like, or just like superhero movies in general, like, where's this? Where's this rank for you? It's like, is this your like? What's what's your number one? You know, oh, like I, number two. Uh, I don't know. Um. Compared to like the MCU in general, well, like, just compared to like superhero doesn't... movies, period, like all of them. Yeah, I mean, because there's there's not many other superhero movies that I'm like, like I don't predict. I, I I kind of respect like 
the first Batman, but I'm not a huge fan. Batman Returns I like, but like I'm not I don't know, I don't have a ton of affection for those. Um it's uh it's a good one, Dave. I don't know, <laughs> it it's like Endgame and it, it's up there with like Endgame and the first Captain America and Iron Man three. It's like <laughs> which are like the the top tier for me. Okay. Like okay. So you think as good as anything in the MCU? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I had a lot of affection for it. I don't. I, it holds up uh, shockingly well. Like I was glad to yeah. have rewatched it. I think it's a, a good idea for people going into No Way Home with the same sort of consideration. Or again, like because you know you have whole generations of people now who are invested in these Spider movies who have never watched these before, probably, or you know were very very young when they came out. Um, it's fun to go back to. I think you know. And again, I I think it feels of its time. Charlotte does too. Zach denies the existence of time and aging um (laughs) (laughs) which is fair but anyway uh i think it's well worth going back to obviously it did well and obviously people have a tremendous amount of affinity for these movies and toby mcguire as far as no way home is concerned here's my prediction i think toby's gonna show and i think it's gonna be a joke i think it's gonna be a gaggy gag and it's gonna be kind of like the peter b parker like they're not gonna literally do that because spider-verse did it and did it so well um, which is one of my biggest fears of No Way Home is like that they just redo Spider Verse stuff. But uh, but I think mm-hmm. if Toby shows, yeah. it's going to be a joke. I think it's going to be a gag, and it's not going to be a major role. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah. I, but like, part of me is almost like hopeful that it will be, so because I don't actually want like a full on Spider Verse thing with the three of them. Anyway, you know what? Like, we're gonna have so much. We, we can talk about this at length uh, when we discuss the other Raimi Spider Man movies. When my microphone is not squealing, <laughs> absolutely squealing like a hog. So. Oh, it stopped. I just have to mock it, apparently. Yeah. All right. I so Zach's going to use microphone like, fix. Charlotte, what do you think? Yeah, I am interested in seeing these characters again, like if in No Way Home, for example. Um, I don't think it's going to be the most part of the movie. I think like if we're going by the trailer, Doka could probably be the main carryover from the previous movies with maybe like a scene of fight, uh, a fight scene with the former villains and that's it i don't think toby maguire and garfield are going to show up for more than at most the third act maybe and uh, and i don't expect them to carry over to future spider-man movies and yeah i'd be way more interested in for example a new green goblin uh, in yeah. the mcu uh, with a new casting because I, I like this version of the Green Goblin. I don't need to see more of it. And like, for example, with um, J.K. Simmons being hired again to play J.J.J. in um, in the new Spider-Man movies. Uh, I love him as J.J.J., but uh, I would rather have a new version of it, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. 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 I hear you yeah, on I that. Agree. All right. Cool. So I think it's going to do it for uh, Raimi Spider-Man 2002. Again, as the movie approaches, will likely be talking about more of these uh definitely let us know what you think of this film again you can find uh the social at my marvelous year on twitter and facebook uh you can join us over on patreon.com slash my marvelous year where uh, if you support the show you can join us in the exclusive slack channel let us know all your spider-man thoughts there with the exclusive awesome slack community uh but yeah i think that's gonna do it for us uh, i'm dave you can find my stuff at comicbookherald.com Thanks, everybody, for listening. Music for the show is by Disaster Peace. Again, patreon.com slash year for support. And thanks to everybody who has done so. Uh, anything else we need to Hope, tease? Yeah, hopefully uh, we'll be back on track next week with the the final 1992. We've got two more 1992 episodes, I think, and, uh, and then a variant. So hopefully my computer will be out of the shop and 
sticks. Would you stop playing Galaga on the recording? Seriously, like it is so annoying. I, I it is so rude. Your computer, right, I'm turning. I'm turning my mic off. Goodbye. That everyone. man's playing Galaga. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. I understood that reference. <laughs> we'll see you next year. See you next year. See you next year. <laughs>